everybody. Hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. Everybody is participating. How Happy 50th. Yep. Don't you wish you were 50th? Welcome. Welcome. We all do. <laughs> you and me both, Alan. We all do. Our 50th. You ever believe we get this that high 50 shows in 50 weeks? And uh, we started on May 7th of 2020. I did some research. So May 7th was the first wow. premiere, the, the debut. And 50 weeks later, here we are. And I want to thank you all for um, most of you have been with us the entire time. Some of you came a little late, but since you joined, you guys have been here. You've been regulars. And you guys make these shows uh, what it is. And I thank, I thank you. You know, Roger did one of these things. Yeah. <laughs> one of these things. Oh, thanks for doing this. We're having a lot of fun. Right. Thanks for having any ideas. <laughs> We're not working. Exercise. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, as we said, this being the 50th show, uh, we were trying to think of something special to do. And... Uh, Believe it or not, uh, my wife, Michelle, and I came up with this idea for the 50th. Uh, <clears throat> moments, your moments, your greatest moments, your memories in your lifetime, either live or maybe things you saw on TV or something stuck out and just something that you've remembered. First, we thought we only do baseball. And I said, why only baseball since on the mark is for all sports? So it's for any sport. And uh, I appreciate uh, the feedback that many of you uh, gave to me, uh, your memories. I, I really didn't, didn't expect you to, <coughs> to write them to me. I thought maybe you just write them down and be ready, but okay. So I, I transposed all your thoughts and on, on a sheet uh, with your name and uh, what we'll do is this, uh, if, if, if you think this is a cool way of doing it, is that as you just logged on, I put your name in a cap. And you know, from you see from behind me now, I have plenty of caps. So I just have to pick another med cap and I put your name in the cap. And the way, that will be like the order uh, that we'll use um, for you to go. And when it's your turn to go, just give us one of your favorite memories or moments. And you could elaborate, you know, up to three minutes, two, three minutes, because some of you start getting into a story, but we don't want to hear it for 15, 20 minutes, because <laughs> believe it or not, from all the, from or everyone's uh, uh, sending me things, I have over 70, oh. 70. <laughs> uh, will we get to them all? Well, it depends upon you know how we, how we talk on, on them. So some of them will bring back memories. <laughs> some of them you may not know. Uh, we could even elaborate as the person. You know, the whole idea is to share in a little conversation because it uh, your memory might be my memory and things like that. So I think that'd be a cool way of doing it. Uh, any questions on that? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, no questions. So with that in mind, I'll just like pick out of the hat a name. And as we go once around, then we'll start all over again. Okay? Maybe I'll put it back in the hat and maybe it'd be a different order. Okay? So the first one is Larry. 
Oh, my goodness. Well, oh, I'm my gonna... God, Larry. Mm -hmm. so... is, I, I may have mentioned this before, but this is a, I went to a game with my cousin. It may have been my first game at Yankee Stadium, and it was Gil McDougal Day, or possibly night. On base, Bobby Brown, third base, Rizzuto, shortstop, McDougal, second, <clears throat> Scourin on first, Woodling, left field, Mickey Mantle in center, and Hank Bauer in right field. I'm sitting way up above Gene Woodling. And, um, and it just, I don't even remember, oh, Yogi behind the plate, but I don't even remember who was pitching. It's either going to be Allie Reynolds or Whitey Ford or Vic Rashi. I don't remember which one it was. Now, years later, back pretty recently, I look up to see when was Gil McDougal Day. And it turns out, there is no Gil McDougal Day. It doesn't exist. <laughs> so my cousin decided to do this in order to make it more exciting. But it was, I believe, the first game that Bobby Brown was back from the service. It might not have been, but that's how I remember it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's less than two minutes. Next can go now. Okay. <laughs> Anybody want to comment on that or talk about that? Anybody want to add to it? Go ahead, Joe. I just want to say that in the summer of 1954, at O'Dowd's Milk Bar on Route 46 in um, Parsippany, New Jersey, I got Gil McDougal's autograph. Oh, nice. Gil has passed, right? Has he passed? Yes. I don't know. Probably. Yeah, no, I, I'll look it up, but I believe so. You never see him any all time this game. He must have, yeah. yeah. Michael. And, and, and also, Gil McDougal. Gil McDougal ended up uh, with a hearing loss and uh, he ended up towards uh, you know the middle of his life with a speech impediment and I think he was one of the first ones to get a how do you say it, a car cochlear cochlear he died in 2010 guys he died in 2010 and he speaks and he spoke normally after that yeah and he had a strange batting stance right his legs yeah. were apart and he stuck out his butt remember that batting stance Gerald, yep. go ahead. I a picture it. <laughs> he hit a line drive that uh, ruined a uh, pitcher's career. I can't think of his oh, name. Herb Score. Herb Score. Herb Score. And I think that affected him a lot psychologically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he became an announcer for Cleveland. Yes. That I don't remember, but I remember being Ooh. a solid player. Not, not, not a superstar, just, you know, did his part and got his hits here and there. Fred? I also believe, I think he became at one time the baseball coach at Fordham University. Wow. Something with Fordham, yeah. I think he did. Mm. He was. Okay. Let's go on. And Fred, I picked your name as the next one to go. Okay. So you give us yeah. one of your memories. So this is the, fir the first Met games I ever attended. It was in May of 1962. I was 12 years old. Back then, the Mets used to play doubleheaders on Saturday. And this was against the Milwaukee Braves in the Polar Grounds. As if you remember, there were short fences back then. And the Mets actually won both games of this doubleheader. Mm -hmm. And to this day, the first game I could still see in the bottom of the ninth inning, Mets are losing 3-2. Warren Spahn pitching, man on first, Obi Landreth up. And he hits one of those short home runs, right? I think it was right down the, what was it, right field or left field foul line? Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. And then... I, could right. still, I was sitting right behind home plate. My father had gotten tickets. My father happened to be friends with an old sports writer, I think, who later worked for the Mets. His name was Arthur Richmond. 
Oh, and, yeah. and we get tickets, and I still could see the look on Roran Spawn's face that I can't believe I got beat by a pop fly. And, and, to, and, to, and to enhance the evening, the second game, bottom of the ninth inning, the Mets are losing 7-6. Gil Hodges hits a home run, two-run homer to win the game. So they won both games on game-winning home runs with two of their 40 wins that, that season. Right, right. Great, great day. You saw 5% of their wins. Exactly. Yeah, nice. I, thought, I thought about that. Right. I thought about that, Alan, and, oh, and I, I realized that. Yeah. And it was just the, you know – just a, a great day. First time, first time I ever saw a Mets play. And and lo and behold, Warren Spawn. I don't know if Hopi Lantros was gone already when when Warren mm -hmm. Spawn became a Met. Right. That'd be something if he, if he was his teammate. But I think Hopi was gone after that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of uh, people went in and out the door that for the Mets that first year. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else want to add on to something? Uh, uh, Michael. No, was that. Was that against the Phillies? By no, the way? against Milwaukee Braves. Yeah. Oh Braves, no, because uh, the first yeah. year, the first year the Mets played, I was at a game and Art Mahathy was pitching, and that was against the Phillies. Yeah, remember. And I kept that. on yelling, "Hey Mahath, we got your number!" And everybody was yelling, "Hey Mahath, we got your number!" And all of a sudden, he has a high pop up, and I reached my hand out, and the ball hit my hand, and that was the last time I have ever touched the baseball in a Major League Baseball game. And I must have been to it. Thousand games, 1963. <laughs> That's one more than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One more than me. Hi, right, Roger, you're up. Roger. Okay. Welcome. Welcome. Um, yeah, a lot of you guys have seen a lot more baseball games than me. I grew up with the, uh, the Stick Michael, the Jerry Candy, Horace Clark Yankees. So uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, was, it was pretty rough baseball. You were hoping maybe for a 500 season in those late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it wasn't until, uh, you know, Shambliss hit that home run against Kansas City in the playoff 60, game. 76. 76. Yeah. Like the curse was kind of a race there, <laughs> even though the Reds pounded them in the World Series. But that was that was big. Finally, things came together. Obviously, you know, free agency getting Catfish Hunter and stuff. But uh, that was like, you know, it was like a different world, you know. <laughs> Who are these Yankees? I'm not used to this kind of thing. <laughs> but they're actually winning games, you know. A few of you uh, put that down as a memory. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think Howard Cosell was, was announcing that game. Was that yes, game? I yeah. think so. Yeah. That gave that gave the uh, the Yankees a pennant, right? Or yeah. Playoff? Yeah. 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 Put them into the World Series. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that game. Play, or, yeah. I think it was a two out of three or four, what are the words? Four out of seven. Yeah. Three out of five. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, probably two out of Everybody three. jumped on the field and grabbed grass and everything. People were grabbing and stuff and right. all. Straight I had to get field, past yeah. two policemen. To get to the center of fields and grip right. on grass and yeah, that was it. That was yeah. a fun day, Michael. That's actually my story. I might as well jump in and tell this part okay. of my story. Okay. And uh, that 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 day, right uh, around three o'clock, I got a phone call from my friend Ed. Hey, Michael, I got tickets for the game, bleacher seats. Oh. So uh, I said, "Wow, <laughs> you know." So uh, last minute, we go to the stadium, right, and we park and everything like that. And in the bleachers, I swear to God. I couldn't believe how many people were holding bats and the crowd was very raucous. And back in those days in the bleachers, they had one bathroom and for the normal people, of course the bleacher fans were crazy, for the normal people, you couldn't get to the regular stadium to go to the bathroom. So by the fifth or sixth inning, the whole bathroom was swirled and it smelled like crap. And people were urinating 
in the stands, and it was the most horrible mm -hmm. feeling that you ever want to see. And the guy who took me was actually a Met fan, and uh, he was very uncomfortable. Anyway, to make a long story short, Shambles hits the home run, and my friend runs to his car. And if you, I have the video here, I'm not going to show you, but uh, if you want to see the wildest scene in the history of sports, check mm -hmm. out the home run right after that uh, Shambles hit the home run. I was one of the lunatics uh, dancing in the in the uh, streets there in, in the in the field there, and it was the wildest experience of my entire life. Now, that was uh, unbelievable. That's you my top. Knock over some fans to get home. We yeah right <laughs> right. Very dangerous, <laughs> but he did yeah. he did it. You know, and I think the umpire has to has to make sure he touches home plate. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that was your. I think that was the origin of putting horses around the field uh, at the end of the uh, uh, game. Yeah. Okay. Milton, you're up. All right. There's just so many of them, but one one moment in time where I was at Shea Stadium for many things, but even though I'm a Yankee fan at heart, the Mets were my heart in 1969. We managed to get standing room only tickets for July 9th, 1969. The Mets had just beaten the Cubs, who was supposedly one of the best teams that they ever had. The day the, the Mets came from behind the day before in the bottom of the ninth, beat the Cubs 4-3. And the next night I was there watching Tom Seaver. Yeah. The, you could, the place was yeah. shaking. You could actually feel it shaking. There were no seats left. I had standing room only. Managed sometimes to just sit on the steps and could not believe what you were witnessing. It got them within a hair of first place and they never looked back. But And Tom Sievers said that was probably the greatest game he ever pitched. He just had that one pitch to Jimmy Qualls that he got up a little bit. Oh, wow. Um, it was it was so exciting. After that game, I, I had to bring some of my friends who never would go to see the Mets. They couldn't believe how good they really were. And that was one of the most exciting games, sporting events that I imagined. There were plenty others, which maybe we'll get into later. But that was it was unbelievable. And that was the first year they had. Um... I think they had the the playoffs. The um, right, yeah. right, yeah. right. It was divisions, the divisions in each league. Yeah, but there yeah. were, but the the Mets went ahead of the Cubs. Yes, it wasn't it wasn't uh, three divisions. They had two divisions. Two, two. Yes, yes. that changed in '94. Became three in '94. Yeah, the Cubs had some great hitters. And then they and then they swept the Braves. I think in the yes in the. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it was a sweep or a three out of five. So, so oh, it was two out of three. Seven. Yeah. Uh, Roger? I think it was three out of five. Yeah, yeah. Milt, I thought you were going to tell the story where the black cat ran across the field or something. You know, I, I just wanted to be there to watch, you know, that I thought would might be history in the making. Yeah. And, uh, you, the parking lots were full. The place was actually, you could feel the stadium shaking. That's when they had the 55,000 people in the right. stadium. Yeah. Never again on that. But um, where is Jimmy Qualls today? 
That's, <laughs> That's his footnote. One it's called alive, Another one. He's still alive again. Okay, let's go on to the next one. That was good, Milton. Next one I have here is uh, Howie. Oh. Howie, you're up. Okay. Uh, back in 2004, uh, Barry Bonds was heading towards hitting his 700th home run. And uh, the Giants were on the road. And I think he hit one home. He was at 699. And so at the last minute, I got tickets for uh, Friday night. I think it was Friday the 13th. It was in September. And I got tickets on the secondary market. Uh, 20 rows back, lower stands, terrific seats for me and my wife. So we go and, uh, you know, the crowd, everything, everybody's all excited. Hans gets up in the first inning. They were going. They were playing San Diego. They were going against Jake Peavy, who later became a Giant. Uh, but they score three runs in the first inning. Peavy uh, was wild. In fact, Hans gets hit by a pitch. Crowd moans. Giants go ahead three nothing. So it's around the second inning, my wife's complaining. You know, she has a headache. She says, I'm going to ask the usher if they have aspirin. I said, okay, try. <laughs> she comes back and she says, no, she has no aspirin, but they do have aspirin out in the first base center, which is way out in left field. She says, I'm going to go out there. I said, well, Bonds is due up next inning. I said, make sure you get back here. She says, oh, yeah, it won't take long. It's the second inning. So she goes. Second inning goes, third inning, top of the third, San Diego's up, still no Priscilla, nothing. I'm in the third, Bonds gets up. I'm not sure if he's leading off or he was the second guy up. And uh, he hits an opposite field, went to left center field, uh, opposite field home run. Crowd goes nuts. The Giants have these fireworks and add a scoreboard going off. <clears throat> and we're in the, again, we're 20 rows back in the lowest stands, and all these streamers come down on you, you know, like celebrating, and everybody's going nuts, and we're all hugging each other, fans. And all of a sudden, someone says, Where's your wife? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> She's not she had About 15 minutes later, she turns up. And she said that she saw the 700 home run on a TV in the in the first aid station out in the field. <laughs> but to this day, we have it in the scrapbook, the tickets, and I have it marked Priscilla in first aid station. <laughs> Does she still get a lot of headaches? Uh, no, very rarely. <laughs> I don't know. But if you ever have a headache in, in Oracle Park and the Giants play, uh, ushers don't have uh, uh, aspirin. <laughs> Ron, is that true? Ron, Ron is that true? Field. Wow. Yeah. Of course not. It's medication. Right. That's right. All right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody want to uh, piggyback on that? Okay. Thank you. All right. Next one we have here. Uh, Michael, did you want to attend another one, Michael? I got you. Hey, you want me to do it? You want me to do it? All right, another one. Okay. Anyway, you gave us uh, the, cha the chambers. Why don't you hold that aside? We'll come back to you. Yeah. Is that all right? Give yeah, sure. 
be hard for you. I run. I got you. Talking too much anyway. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna change. We're gonna change sports. Okay. We're going to hockey. <laughs> Nineteen ninety-nine. Oh. The middle of March. Oh. My friend calls me up, who has season tickets to the Rangers, and says, "Ronnie, I." Can't I can't make it to the last game of the season. Can you go? Do you want the tickets for the game? I said, sure, I'll go. So me, so this is like probably about the middle of March, probably the beginning of April, there was an announcement that Wayne Gretzky is going to retire at the end of the season. So mm. me and Melissa were at Wayne Gretzky's last game in his career, which first of all, the crowd was unbelievable. I, I got to the arena, I think, to the garden three hours before the game started to buy a program. None would be to be found anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. The other thing about the game was uh, they played the Penguins that day. And what a little bit that was ironic was the game ended in overtime and Yaramir Yaga scored the game-winning goal in that game. And a lot of people considered it like the passing of the guard, you know, the great one to the next great one, which, and that closing, nobody wanted to leave the garden that day when he was skating around the ice. It was one of the most amazing events I've ever been at in my life. Okay. Was- anybody want to uh, say something about that one? Oh, okay, good one. That was a good one. <laughs> Okay, next one I have, uh, Gerald. I'm going to change my order somewhat, Mark. Whatever you, you want. My most important sport event was the 1955 World Series, Johnny Padres, the winning pitcher. I, I lived and died with the Dodgers in Brooklyn. I was born in 1946. And I suffered a lot in the 1950s oh, with the Yankees defeating the uh, met the uh, Dodgers repeatedly. So that was a great, great moment for me. And I've got a little story, if I can digress, regarding Johnny Padres and Whitey Ford, which you might might find interesting. Whitey Ford won the sixth game of the 1955 World Series. And Johnny Padres was I've always felt indebted to Whitey Ford because he had the opportunity to win the seventh game of the World Series and be put on the map. And as a result, Johnny Padres every single year would send a birthday card to Whitey Ford to sort of thank him for giving him the opportunity of being put on the map. And that was a great, great sports moment for me. I never had the opportunity to go to Ebbets Field, but I lived and died with the Brooklyn Dodgers. A few, a few, you had that down as a memory. That mm. actual thing, actual game. Okay. Anybody? Yeah, Michael. Uh, I told this to Jerry and Shul. That's I, I met Jerry and Shul. That's how I know Jerry. Uh, following that game, I walked out. That, that evening, waiting for the Daily News to be uh, delivered uh, to my candy store, which was across the street from our, from our apartment. And they locked the paper down, and I picked up Who's a Bum? And there's a cartoon right. of uh, Who's a Bum? And Bill Gallo. I'm supposed to be the dog. Bill Gallo. Bill Gallo. 
And I cried for three days because uh, I hated the Dodgers. And that was the beginning of my hatred of Brooklyn, believe it or not. Because Ooh. Ooh. Right? And then when I grew up, I became a teacher. And I've never had more days that were horrible in my life than when I used to go to 65 Court Street and try to get myself a decent teaching position. And it was really horrible. But, <laughs> so I hated Brooklyn up until the time I met a, a family who lived in Brooklyn and started showing me around. They, they live in Manhattan Beach. And they started uh -huh. showing me all the beautiful, wonderful things about Brooklyn. Now I love Brooklyn. But uh, I hated that. I hated that Dodger team, boy, from 1955. <laughs> Yankee fan, that's it. Very good. All right, let's move on. Uh, Alan, I have something for you. Alan, what do you got? October 1st, 1961. Mm -hmm. A date that will live in Yankee history <laughs> because it broke Ruth's record. And I was 12 years old. And I went with two other friends, both named Alan, one same as me, A-L-A-N, the other one, A-double-L-A-N. And we had tickets for right field, but we were 12 years old. So we got pushed out. I mean, people just kept coming in. They didn't care where the tickets were from. So we sat in the left field um, stands in the first row. And obviously, Maris hit his 61st home run that day. So, I mean, I lived in Brooklyn. My friend, 12, we, it was a Saturday, I think. We, Subway, we went up there. I mean, yeah. you talk about how things were 60 years ago. Right. You know, yeah. And that's the way it was. It was fabulous. Mike, I remember, you know, we all jumped up. He hit. Jesus, and it was one nothing. That was the game. That was the game. That was the home. Yeah, um, who caught? Sal Durante caught the ball. Sal Durante caught the ball, and Tracy Stallard threw it. Yep. Correct. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I remember for it. Uh, Gerald. Of course, they always say that uh, when Babe Ruth played uh, in nineteen, I guess twenty-seven, when he hit the sixty home runs. The schedule is 154 games versus 162. Right. So that's always brought yes. out. But Maris was a great, great, great player. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Roger? I, th I think some of you guys know this story. I mean, I unfortunately didn't get to see my namesake. I wasn't born until 1962. But uh, my parents were living in California at the time when I was, uh, when I was born. My parents were living in Campbell, uh, Howie. And I was actually born in uh, San Jose. Oh, what? Uh, my dad said every game of the week it was Mantle and Maris, you know, chasing, uh, you know, Ruth's record and stuff like that. So uh, I guess the choice would be either being named Mickey or Roger. So I guess I got <laughs> Roger, although I bat right-handed and he was a left-handed uh, left batter. But yeah, I mean, I've read books about him and I've seen the clips and stuff, but uh, I know he lost a lot of hair during that year. I mean, he was a small town boy. I mean, growing up in North Dakota. Yeah. And I know the uh, sports writers were pretty pretty brutal to him. Was, you know, I think they all wanted Mantle to break the record yeah. instead of Maris. The last day was when they finally gave him an ovation, finally. Right. Didn't Mickey get hurt the last week or so? He missed yes. like a slump. He, he got, got hurt. Kind of crazy shot from some screwball doctor or something like that. Yeah, and he right. still hit 54 home runs. 54, yeah. 115, yep. Yeah. Aaron, you want to say something, Sharon? 
Yeah, in 2016, I think Ron and Barbara were watching the uh, baseball game. I think the Mets were playing the Reds. And um, Grandison gave uh, Brian a ball over the fence that oh. year. And we were, and he was on TV then. Right. Mm, that's nice. That's a nice memory for you, for, the, for your son. Yeah, yeah. Michael? Uh, 1961, when Maris hit the home run, that was the first curtain call. He came out and he, uh, he was pulled mm. out of the... Uh, Bug out and he sort of like uh, took away the fans. <clears throat> and then, uh, was it Billy Crystal made a movie about that year called the yeah. uh, well, it's it's 61. Right. Yeah, 61. Yeah, yeah. And Roger used to always wear his like, like, uh, <coughs> you always saw the top part of his his, his arms, you know, mm. very, very dense, very muscular. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it only, only about 6,000 people in the stands? And there's about a hundred thousand people that say they were at the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a memory, and of course, uh, Thor Rizzuto. Holy cow! Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Joe, you're up. Well, I've already been. Uh, you know, my 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 big moment was the 1955 World Series as well. You know, I lived through the 50. 52 loss and the 53 loss and I had to pay my friends down in the playground in my building. So, boy, it was, it, was, it was payback in 1955. It was the greatest moment of my life walking down into the playground after that game. Just wonderful. The first World Series they ever won and then three years later they left. Yeah. But it was yeah, just well, how old were you moment. in 55? 12. Well, see, I guess you remember that. So I remember, I remember 52 yeah. and 53 very, very well. That was like very my best. Yeah. Oh, man, but what a year. And where do you live? You're a Long Island, right? Forest Hills. Forest Hills, the Howard Apartments. Larry knows where they are, right? The three brick buildings on oh, 66 yeah, Road. Yeah. yeah. They opened right up in 1952, and my parents moved there. We were the original, we were original tenants. <laughs> and there were hundreds of kids in the three buildings. And we used to go down into the playground, and I remember most of the kids were Yankee fans, and we'd have like a nickel bet every year. And 52, I had to pay him. 53, I had to pay him. And I had to tell you, payback was sweet. Wow. Was that their first pennant, first championship? Yes. Yes. That was Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn the first Dodgers. and only they ever oh, won. The first only yeah. Brooklyn. Yep. Only Brooklyn. Only Brooklyn. Yep. Yeah. They lost to the Yankees in 47. Yeah. I think 49, 52, right. 53, 56. and then they lost in 56. Right. Yeah. 41 also. Right. 41, right. that's right. right. 41, they, they hadn't won a word. They hadn't been in the World Series oh. in 20, 21 yeah. years. Yeah, that was that was the Mickey Owens uh, drop yeah. ball. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 That'll be something. Stuart, you're up. Mm. Yeah, mine's... Uh... I wasn't at the game. I'm talking thinking of the 1969 World Series Mets. Um, it was the third game at Shea Stadium. Uh, Gary Gentry pitched for the Mets, and the batter was Elrod Hendricks. He hit this long ball to right center field, and A.G. got on a, on a run. He was like sprinting mm. all the way back to the warning track and reached yeah. out and made a backhanded catch. Grabbed it in. Otherwise, uh, I think there were men on base at the time. We went yeah. crazy with that catch. And that's it? Just that yeah, that's catch? it, yeah. Okay. Now, that was the same game that uh, that Swoboda made um, 
Yeah, and, yeah, and that, the diving that, catch. That, the diving catch, yeah. AG made, made another fabulous catch. I think he, he had made two catches. catches. That's right. So there yeah, were three catches. That game. Anyone yeah. else want to talk about that game? Anything? The Mets 69? All right, Roger. Okay. Again, I, that was pretty much, I think, the first World Series I can remember. I was only about seven. And you're right. Well, I could, uh, being a Yankee fan, my dad was a Yankee fan. Well, I kept hearing everything was amazing, amazing, amazing. Like, amazing. You know, what's, what's with this team? You know, it just yeah, the things they were doing it was just it was insane. Yeah, that's yeah, when they really, was an amazing year in New York sports. Yeah, day game, day games. Oh, that Orioles team was, you know, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, they win what 108 games like every year. I mean, it was yeah. Mets had no business being there, but. How many games did the Mets win that year in the regular season? 100. 100 games. Oh. They lost 62. Yeah. Yeah. Fred? But they had to pitch. But I also remember about the 69 Mets. This is a little bit just not baseball, but there's also a mayoral election that year. And they got a lot of credit for helping John Lindsay win re election yeah, because the of, of the good feeling that was happening in the right. city then. As, if you remember, he was really hated in Queens because of yep. snow, re, you know, snow you know, lack of snow removal in Bayside yes. and other areas. Exactly. But, the, yes, but the, yes. good, the, the Mets brought a good feeling to the, to the city and he propelled on their sort of on their back. Does anyone yeah. know who was the pitcher yeah. who pitched the uh, clinching game of the of uh, first place before the, before the playoffs? Okay. I remember watching it. I think it was Gary Gentry. I think Gary Gentry pitched that final mm -hmm. game, you know, of the uh, regular season that clinched there. I think they, I think they beat the Cardinals. I think to the win the division, if I recall. I think it was Gary Gentry. I remember. It could have been Gary Gentry. Yeah. yeah. Whatever have ever happened to him? <laughs> you never hear anything about him anymore. No, he was, was good. good. Was it good? Wasn't his career cut short by injury? Yep. Must have. A must have. You never Maybe. heard anything yeah, yeah, after that. Yeah. Okay. Uh Michael K, you're up. Okay. Uh Michael what can Michael I think K. Of? Michael K. You're Michael hey. M. Oh, all right. There's another Michael. Michael, can you hear us? He's uh <laughs> he's you're muted, Mike. Muted. He's, he's he's muted. My voice is still I'm just gonna listen. I I I okay texted you, Mark, but I'm just gonna listen. Okay. So Sharon, you want to say something? You were, I think you were next on my list. Sharon, is that the one for uh, the Mets? You, you gave us one, uh, but if you want to say another one, I'll give you a few a minute or so. The Mets uh, won the World Series in 1986, and um, I was in my bedroom watching. And when they scored the final run, I fell off my bed, and my entire family—I didn't realize how many people were over—came running up the stairs to find out what was wrong. And when they realized, they were all excited because they didn't see the game. You talking about Game Six, Sharon? Yeah, the, the Game Six, yeah. the, or the one they won? Uh, they won the World Series. They yeah, won the World Series. Seven. Monday night. Six was six was the game. Seven Eighty-six. Was, yeah. Game, game six, seven was uh, they won in pretty you know they won it pretty convincingly if I yeah. remember. Monday night when Monday night football was on. Yeah. So Mike Michael gave me a uh, a few a few different things which I jot down. I'll ex I'm not going to read what you wrote. I just like paraphrased it, but I'm sure I'm going to leave something out, Michael. So the first one was that uh, you said you traveled to Israel. Just keep shaking your head if I'm on the right track. Yet. 
about three years ago with a group of uh, Jews and non-Jews, keep shaking, okay, and uh, your wife, and Maria, uh, Mariana. Not my wife, not my wife, just me. Oh, sorry, crossed off the wife there. Yeah, not, uh, not a baseball fan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and Mariana Rivera was part of the group, is that right? Or he was there? He, he and his wife, Clara, were actually the leaders. We were part of an interfaith group. We were part of an interfaith group. So I, I have all kinds of memories from before, but I kind of was thinking about personal memories. Where, you know, it was just something that was not um, not part of. Uh, I mean, I the '69 Mets and the '61 Yankees. All of those things resonate with me too. But we went on a on a trip that. Mariano and his wife, Clara, who was a pastor of their church, used to be the, um, they had been to Israel once before, but we were going this time, there were four colleagues and leaders of his church. That's, that's it. Nice. I think that's Very pretty nice. cool. <laughs> Mariano, this is after yeah. he retired again. Oh no, was yeah. he retired there? Three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. he was retired, yeah. yeah. That's right, obviously, right. So that's a cool thing. <clears throat> everyone, everyone knew him in Israel. Everybody recognized. Nice guy, right? Yeah. Very, very nice guy. Very, he was, oh, I don't think he was right. always in love with having to sign everyone, so, but he always did. He was always gracious. Um, but I got to spend a week with him and with his wife and two of his three boys in a very, very different setting. You know, you don't usually think about sitting next to Mariana Rivera in a taxi, going to the Western Wall at midnight or just hanging out with, with him and a few people in the swimming pool, part of this group. So it just, for me, with all of these wonderful memories about the days of sports, it's nice to have some kind of personal contact with an athlete who I didn't know during his, you know, his career, but afterwards to know that, you know, he's just a, a wonderful human being, uh, family and having a personal connection, you know, even just for those six, seven days, that was very, very, you know, was real, was very personal. That, that's a memory, more modern memory, but it just allows me to have faith in a lot of these athletes that many of them really are good human beings. And these are not the stories that a sports writer would often write about. Good for you. Good for you. Um, I have one. Since everyone went, I believe, their first Oh, one. I didn't. Oh, Danny, I'm sorry. Danny, you go, then I'll go. Sorry. Okay. All right. This goes back to the year 2000. Um, my brother-in-law, Stewie, who has unfortunately since passed, Carolyn's brother had season tickets to the Yankees in which Carolyn and I partook in. We went to about 20 games a year. And uh, went with Stewie to the game three of the 2000 World Series against the Diamondbacks. Well, that's the game in which uh, President Bush stood on, on, on the mound, supposedly totally unprotected. It was an incredible scene to see that in the year 2000, right after 9-11. But the highlight really was in game four, which was October 31st. Carolyn and I were at the ballgame. That, that game three, I was there with Stewie. Game four, I went with Carolyn. And it came to the ninth inning. The Yankees were losing three to one. 
And uh, our seats were very good seats. We were in the MVP section, section five, row six, uh, was right in back of the uh, cushion seats, um, looking right down into, uh, in between first base and, um, and, and, and the so-called former uh, uh, batters up circle. And um, there were great seats on row six, and Carolyn says, I don't want to be here when they lose. And there was two outs and one on, and Tino Martinez was up to bat, and we started to walk out, and the, the seats next to us were donated to firemen. And the guys were telling me, he says, where are you going? And I said to them, we'll be back after Tino hits the home run. So we were already down by the rail, which is five rows down, and Martinez hits the home run to tie the game. Carol and I were basically carried back to our seats. And then, of mm. course, that became the Mr. October game, Mr. November game, yeah. when Jeter hit the home run in the 11th inning. That was them? one of the most exciting things in the hundreds of games that we went to since we had the season tickets from the mid-90s. That's we had gotten the season tickets. Thank you. So that was a late night for you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty late. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's a good thing that night we drove in, you know. And um, so very great memories at the old Yankee Stadium. We really miss it. We still have good seats at the, uh, at the new Yankee Stadium. We're going to four games this year with our season tickets, the plan that we belong to. But there was nothing like the shaking of the old Yankee Stadium, that place that it stood from mm -hmm. all that shaking was, was beyond belief. It was really a, a really nice stadium uh, as much as the new one is, is really nice as well. Right. So anyway, that's a baseball highlight story from all the games that we went to, you okay. know. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. My memory was from 1964. I don't know Howie. Did you go with me? I don't know. I, we went to, I went to the All Star game at at Shea Stadium. Oh yeah, it's the year they opened Shea. It was the oh. first year they opened, and they gave uh, Shea Stadium as the All Star game. I don't know if and if there were two All Star games that year or not. Remember in the sixties? Yep. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I remember they had were having one in 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 Shea, and. And uh, at the age of 14, it's not like being 14 today. If we wanted to go to Shea State or even anything, right. we would take the bus, we would go on the train, and right. we exactly. would go buy our tickets. Yeah. So I didn't have tickets to the game, so I went with a bunch of my friends. You didn't go with me, Howie? I don't think so, because um, I remember watching that game uh, on TV. That's uh, – Johnny Callison at that right. I'm gonna get to that. So like maybe maybe our friend Bruce went with me. I don't know. I went with friends. I went with friends. So we walked on without seats and we paid five dollars for a seat. General admission. Right? General admission, in which they don't give you an actual seat. You just go to the general admission area and you find a seat in the upper deck. So we were like right behind home plate. That was like today. <laughs> and I remember Ron Hunt was the starter for the uh, National League base, and he got the first single for the National League that game. And as Howie just said, that was the game that Johnny Callison hit a three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth inning off of Dick Raddatz. Off, of off of Dick Raddatz. Dick Raddatz. And they won the game seven to four. 
I'm sure the place had 55,000 people. I don't know. And, and Ron, I stayed to the end. <laughs> the first and only time. <laughs> I didn't drive in those days, so it's a matter of oh, to the train. Yeah. On, so not a matter of a lot. But I, I was there, and I still I, in my attic. I still have the uh, the score the um, program the program with it. I'm, I'll look for it one day, and I'll, maybe I'll bring it to the show, Gerald. In 1964, Mark, I just looked it up. There was one All-Star game. There were not two. There you go. That was the one. All right, let's go on to round two. Anybody, as I call you, if you want to go on, it's up to you. And Stuart, you're first up. Round two. Okay, since you mentioned all three uh, plays in the 69 series, I guess I'd have to say the 1986 World Series, when Mookie Wilson hit that uh, ground ball to Bill Buckner. I, sure, I thought for sure that was the end of the game and the end of the World Series. And <laughs> he booted it. I was in the car listening on the radio. I was just shocked. But yeah, that's what I remember. <laughs> I, I, think the game was, I think the game was tied at that point. Yeah, right. But the, the, the whole thing before, yeah. right. I think the wild pitch, right? The wild yeah. pitch. Yeah. Giraldi and Stanley. That Cole. won the game. When it went through his leg. But again, it was two outs, two strikes. I think that the scoreboard had already flashed. Congratulations, Boston Red Sox already. Yep. I mean, I mean right. to me, this was the most amazing comeback. I mean, they were dead. I mean, right? I mean, it was it was over, and they just they wouldn't give up the Mets. I mean, that, that was that character of that 86 team. I, mean, was, I, I think, I think he Hernandez had gone into the clubhouse, and you looked in the Mets dugout, and Davey Johnson just looked stricken, you know? Yeah. How could this happen? It was unbelievable. Because they had that great series against Houston. I mean, it was this very yeah. exciting game. Oh, wow. I mean, as a Yankee fan, I mean, you know, but it was just, it was baseball. It was just. Yeah. Right. right. They won, they won that game because the last game they would have had to face Mike Scott again and they yeah. didn't want to face it. That game in what, like 15 innings, Joe, or something? 15, 16 innings. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. 16 innings. I remember walking through Roscoe throwing his glove up in the air. Yep. Yeah. People like glued to televisions, looking in windows. I mean, it was like it was like crazy. I mean, yeah, it was fun time. Alan, you're up. I'm gonna keep these short the second time around. Oh, okay. Alan. I mean, I remember this was on TV, but when Siva was pitching his perfect game, and there was something where Grody, I think it was Grody, threw back the ball, and Siva had to go up high for it. I said, shit. And then the next guy got a hit. That's it. That's mm. it. That's it. All right, Ron, you're up. Okay. Uh, Howie's story uh, with his wife at the game reminded me of another story. Uh, January 15th, 1990, we're going to go to the NBA. A game that changed NBA the way we know it today. Mm. We, Barbara and I had a next-door neighbor, next neighbors who had a five-year-old son. So it was Martin Luther King Day, and we decided to take him to the Nick game that day against the Chicago Bulls. Okay, the game goes down to the end, and there was a timeout with 0.1 second left. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and we know we before, before the time went back in, the kid taps me on the leg and says, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, I, I look down and say, now? <laughs> Luckily, Barbara was with me. She took him to the bathroom. 
and I happened to see the Trent Tuck Tucker shot. Oh. I was there. Oh wow! With 0.1 second to go, and and obviously since that day, right? That from now 0.3 or less, you could only tip the ball in. Tucker took the ball in his hands, turned around, right. and shot the ball, and ended the game for the Knicks that day. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I still see all in one tenth of a second. Right. right. Still see that shot. That's definitely right. Yeah. Fred, you want to say something before we go on? Oh no, I just wanted to. If, 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 are you going the second round of memories or? Yeah, we're in there right now. Yeah, but I'll get to you. Oh, okay. Milton. Milton, you're, you're muted. muted. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted. All right, this one will do the Yankees. May 30th, 1956, on a belated Mother's Day present. I was 16 years old. Took my mother by train uh, to Yankee Stadium, a doubleheader against the Washington Senators. And that was the game that Mantle hit that ball off the upper facade. Mm -hmm. oh, Just, wow. You know, when Mantle used to get up, I used to get chills. Just watching. Was that off of Chuck Stobbs? In person? No. No, I think was no, that, was in, that was in Washington. Washington. Chuck Stobbs was in Washington. Emory's okay. right. I think the guy's name was Bill Fisher. One in 1956. You're right. Pedro and that was hit off the facade. But yeah. just the fact that I was there with my mother to watch it just made it, you know, so meaningful. The one yeah. that you're talking with Chuck Stobbs went over to center field, yeah. right? That was a, uh, Chobbs was a lefty, but the one he hit when I was there was um, off the facade against Pedro Ramos. And by the Pete way, Ramos. Robinson played first base that day. Eddie, Ed Robinson. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Check it, I think he did. How old were you during this? 16. Uh, so at 16, you realize it was a fantastic shot he hit. It, oh, every geez. time Mantle got up, oh. I mean, if I was watching a game, I would just make sure I would watch it when it was his turn to get up. Right, right. It right. was, uh, I mean, my friends, we all used to try to run with him. He ran with such grace around the bases. Mm -hmm. right. And um, right. Everything he was just probably my favorite Mantle player of all time. Everything just stopped when Mandel came to bat. Fred, you want to go? Yep. Yeah. yeah, I want to talk about a basketball game that probably nobody here knows about because it was back in my high school days for the PSAL City Championship in 1965 in a game where three former professional, uh, three later professional players played. I went to Erasmus Hall in Brooklyn and we played Dewood Clinton and we beat them 85-80 in a game that was back and forth the whole game and it had the Clinton was led by Tiny Archibald, and they had a player who, who later played with the Nets or Luther Green. And we had George Thompson, who had a great career at Marquette University, and then later had like a 10 or 12-year career in the ABA. And the following year, we played the game at a neutral site in Queens. And I went to the game. It was at Francis Lewis High School. Being from Brooklyn, I had no idea what this was. I was saying, where the hell are we? <laughs> still remember this the game was tied 45 45 after three quarters and then tiny archibald took took over completely and they outscored us 27 13 in the fourth quarter they beat us 72 58 so we were one and one but back in those days in brooklyn we played in the same conferences 
as Ron will, of course, remember Jim McMillan from the Lakers. He was at Thomas Jefferson High School. Another guy, Marvin Roberts, was at Wingate, who played a long career in the ABA. It was a great, great, great time for basketball in both the PSAL and the Catholic leagues back in the back in the sixties. Yeah, great times. Right, remember, remember going to the Garden, and um, yeah. you would get actually the GO card. You get a good cheap ticket. Or something. Yeah. Free I right. think that Geo was the first year that they that they had stopped playing the the finals in the Garden the first year because there was. Previous years, there had been some violence at games in the garden. They they played them in the, in the high school gyms, and I was l- lucky enough to get a ticket of, from the student body. Great times in high school. Violence awesome. in the garden? Ron, no way. <laughs> Larry, you're up. All right, this is um, we're at the, now. I, my grandkids, if they went to a game, you had to stay for the entire game. We're at the Coney Island Cyclones, and um. And the, 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 the Cyclones were losing in the ninth inning. I think it was three to two. My wife and my daughter, who are with us, saying, we have to go home. We have to go home now. And my grandson says, no, it's not. All. They tie the score. They tie the score in the ninth inning, and now we have to go. So my grandson whispers to me, Grandpa, if you get a ball, we can go. <laughs> the first batter up for the team that was playing the Cyclones, we're, we're on the first baseline in the first row. That's the $10 seat. And a guy hits a foul ball right to my glove. And everyone was happy because he was how the game ended. Grandpa, <laughs> you're my hero. <laughs> All right. I have a minor league ball. That's my second one. I also got one when I was seeing the St. Paul Saints in, in Minnesota. Uh, an outfielder grabbed a, a, a foul ball, and I said, can you throw it to me? And he threw it to me. Mm-hmm. That's my two balls. I still have them in the room. <laughs> Very good. Joe. Joe Horn, you're up. Uh, yeah, okay. I guess... Um... I'll leave the 86 Mets for the time being the, uh, I was at the game at Yankee stadium in 2004, I think July 3rd. Um, I hadn't been at Yankee stadium since before it had been redone since I was a kid. I just went to the game with a number of guys from temple Israel. And that was a game, uh, where Jeter dived into the stand. Oh yeah. uh, But that wasn't the only highlight. In extra innings, Manny Ramirez, I think in the top of the 12th, Manny Ramirez hit a home run, put the Red Sox ahead. And then in the bottom of the 12th, the Yankees won it on a two-run homer. Hmm. Talk about a place shaking. I thought the whole thing was going to cave in. I can't remember the name of the player who hit the home run for the Yankees. I wasn't a Yankee fan, but it was an incredible game. Just unbelievable game. A few people had that game, but the Jeter catch. As one of their members. Yep, un- Danny. unbelievable. Danny, you're up. All righty. Um, lots of memories from the old Yankee Stadium. One of the ones that was a little personal disappointment because I follow records and stuff like that. Was that a game? I don't remember what year it was. But uh, A-Rod, the Yankees were playing Cleveland, I think it was. And A-Rod came up and, and Bartolo Colon was the, was the pitcher. Of course. He, he threw, Big sexy. And A-Rod hit three bombs off of him. He got 10 RBIs. 
on three home runs against Matolakola. It was incredible. He didn't stay in that long. But I was disappointed that in that game, um, Aaron didn't get a chance to come up with, for, an extra, for another time at bat to maybe hit four home runs in one game. And uh, I was there with my brother-in-law, Stewie, in that game. It was, uh, it was a day game. You know, we, we usually went to night games. Very seldom we go to day games, you know. Uh, Stewie didn't like to go to day games, Fridays or, or weekend games. Always week, weekday games. So that's another little baseball anecdote. And the last one is that, uh, you know, that um, uh, Tino Martinez only hit one walk-off home run in his career. And that was against the Twins in the American League Championship Series. And uh, mm-hmm. Cameron and I were at that game. He had an opposite field walk-off home run to win the, the, the pants. So you could look to the Yankees. I didn't realize that uh, that Bart- Bartolo Colon gave up all three of those home runs. All three of them. Mm-hmm. Gerald, yeah. you're up. I don't know April, what April was. April 8th, 1974. Hank Aaron... Oh, right. The home it's, run. A, it's the home run to beat Babe Ruth's record. I thought that was absolutely outstanding, a very key event. I wrote to him encouraging him, because of, uh, particularly because of all the threats he was getting, and he wrote back to me, and I cannot find the letter, and I've turned my apartment upside down 25 times. You know, they show that they, they that was, that home run all the time. And as he's coming to third base, these two fans jump mm-hmm. out. These same two fans, you see them all the time. I wonder whatever happened to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you always mm-hmm. see them. Yeah. yeah. It was a great time, too. Howie. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 1988, I was living in Southern California. And uh, that was the year of Kirk Gibson's home run. Gibson mm. had yeah. injured yeah. <laughs> uh, one or both no. his legs in the uh, uh, National League Championship and uh, couldn't play, And uh, but he got up in the bottom of the ninth against Dennis Eckley, hit that home run. Basically, that was his only at-bat. They won that game. But <laughs> That was such a special year because I hated the Dodgers, you know, going back to, you know, them fighting the Yankees in 77, 78, and 81. And uh, but the reason why I fell in love with the Dodgers that year, besides Gibson, it was Oral Hershiser had such a phenomenal year. He'd throw his glove out on the mound and win a game. And that was the year he was in the dugout and he would calm himself by seeing psalms to himself but during spring training that year when the dodgers had just gotten gibson i knew it was going to be something special because uh jesse orozco who had just come over from the mets mm. had played this uh, practical joke on gibson took some lamp black you know to put on your eyes and put it around his cap and gibson wore it and those of you know, Gibson didn't have much hair. And so the guys were laughing and Gibson blew up and said, this is not the way the team should be. We ought to be serious. And from then on, I remember that from then on, that team just got propelled right, you know, to the world championship. And it was Gibson's leadership. So yeah. one and only year I root for the Dodgers. Right. <laughs> 
and he goes on becoming a manager. Uh, uh, Gerald, want to add to that? I think Gibson. I think Gibson was a football player, and he he brought that yeah. football Michigan mentality State. to the yeah. Dodgers. Yeah. Right, absolutely right. Yeah, he played at Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Roger, you're up. Uh, I mean, I love talking baseball. This one's actually about football. And, um, you know, my dad was the big Yankee fan. He was also a big Oakland Raider fan, Howie. You know, uh, when the team was founded back in 1960. Um, so I got caught up with them as well, being the oldest son. You know, you kind of follow what dad is rooting for. Um, immaculate reception is the one, one memory I have. We were watching the game. We were, you know, always watching the Raiders, and they were always getting close. They couldn't get to the Super Bowl except for, you know, Super Bowl two. Always had good teams, always seemed to fall short. Um, they were losing 6 nothing to Pittsburgh. It was late game. Uh, Stabler was the quarterback, and, you know, bum leg. He, he couldn't run, but on this play, he ran about 30 yards down the sideline, scored a touchdown. So the Raiders were up 7-6. to six. And, again, it wasn't much time left. And I remember, you know, Bradshaw threw the fourth down pass. In hindsight, it would have been smart to just tackle the guy, but you weren't thinking about stuff back then. I think it was either Atkinson or Tatum, you know, hit the receiver. The ball pops up in the air. Franco Harris is like walking off the field. He catches it by his ankles and, you know, he runs down the sideline and the Raiders yeah. lose the game. It was, I mean, we were just stunned. I mean, we, we couldn't believe it. We figured we finally beat the Steelers. Those games with the Raiders were always like wars. I mean, it was two great teams playing and we were just shell-shocked after that. I mean, that was a great one. Yeah, Fred? Al Davis, he's a Brooklyn guy. He went to the same high school as I did many years before. Wow. Yeah, Brooklyn guy. Jewish guy from Brooklyn. Sharon, you have another story, Sharon? You're win, baby. Win, baby. Sharon, you're I'm good. I'm good. You're good. Michael? Michael F? All right. Yes. It's crazy that I remember this. It was, I believe it was October 3rd. In 1951, and back in those days, I lived in the Bronx, and all my family, my mother had a bunch of sisters, and they all lived near each other, and we hung out on the corner of Watson and Boynton Avenue, and it was my mother and three of her sisters, my Aunt Susie, my Aunt Claire, and my Aunt Charlotte, and we were all over there in the corner of Watson and Boynton Avenue, and there was hardly a soul to be seen in a baby carriage, before you knew her, Mark, was my sister, Shelly, and she was there, and it was very, very quiet. All of a sudden, about 3, 3.30, started to hear horns. Men came out of their Democratic clubs, or Democratic clubs up and down uh, Watson Avenue. Horns started to honk. People were dancing in the streets, and I said, what happened, what happened, what happened? And they said, the Giants won the pennant. Bobby Thompson hit a home run. <laughs> <laughs> the Giants won Giants win the pennant. Giants win the pennant. He said it nine Hodges. times. The Giants Russ win Hodges, the pennant. Yeah. Nine times. Yeah. All right, Michael K. Can you talk, or should I tell? Yeah, us? no. I'm actually going to change whatever I told you. I okay. Just remembered. I went to a couple of, when I was a student in New York. I went to a couple of opening days at Yankee Stadium. I think one year Gidry pitched. But the second, this was, I don't think this was the year Gidry was, was, was pitching, but it was the time when, you know, they just uh, created for Reggie Jackson, those Reggie bars. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they gave them out at opening day. And I remember um, Jackson hit a home run that day and everybody threw the threw the <laughs> onto the field. Uh, yep. It was better yes. that on the field because they weren't so great. <laughs> that the field enjoyed them than the, than, than the fans. That, that's it. They told, they told a story on the game about that, uh, not before last, on the Yankee game. Uh, televised, you know, was it Michael Kay was telling the story. But the interesting thing about that home run was that that would have was actually four consecutive times a bat that he hit a home run for Reggie Jackson. Because in the World Series the year before, he hit those three right. home runs. So he came out for the first time on uh, on at that game, Michael, and he hit a home run. So really, it was four consecutive times at bat that he hit a home run. They were talking about that uh, uh, on TV just not before last. Okay, uh, everyone went at least twice, right? Before I go. Yep. Okay. So my second memory, and I had to look up the date on this, and sure enough, I did find June twentieth, nineteen sixty-five. So now I'm 15 years old. The All-Star game was 14. Going year by year. I went with friends again. My parents never took me. <laughs> I, go with yeah. I went to Yankee Stadium this time, and it was the very first bat day. Oh, boy. It was Father's Day, June oh, 20th, 65. Mm -hmm. uh, they gave away 40,000 real-sized bats. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to get the general mission, but it was sold out. Um, so let's get let's get bleacher seats in the right field bleachers, right? Which is better than the left field bleachers. Sold out. <laughs> so we had we were able to go into the left field bleachers for I think it was seventy five cents back in those days. Mm -hmm. We sat in the left field bleachers. It was a doubleheader with the Minnesota Twins. Seventy two thousand plus Ooh. were uh, in the stadium. Yeah. Now. Left field is the Sunfield at Yankee Stadium. We were baking June 20th. Mm. It had to be well over 90, 95 degrees. I did get my bat, Tom Tresh. This taint the name on the bat. And, you know, if you ever sat you still in the field bleachers, yeah, you I must still have it? my attic somewhere. Yeah. You can't see anything. You can't see home play from left, field, left center field. You can't see. You can't see. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 team that year anyway. I have good eyes, Why? right? I'm 50. I wasn't wearing glasses. <laughs> you can't see anything. <laughs> so after the first game, we decided to leave and go home because we it was too, first of all, we were too hot. And you know, yeah. what do we do? Just, you know, we had the bat, boom, 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 but you couldn't see anything. But I was, I, I was there, I had my bat 72,000. Yeah. So that's my uh, second, second memory. All right, for, for the third round, we got about 20 minutes. We can go around if you guys keep it short, okay? Um, <laughs> Michael K., you want to go first? You have something? What does that mean? I think it's going to pass. Yeah, but, but but you sh you showed me something. I want to, like, feed off what you told me on one of the things. The sporting news. You guys remember the sporting news? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're 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 we live by Michael brought that up. That the Bible yeah. of the Bible yeah. of the Bible. Facebook. Everyone read the sporting news. It was the greatest yeah. newspaper <laughs> of all the facts, oh. the statistics. Yeah. All the minor league stats. Yeah. And minor yeah. league stuff. Yeah. It was the greatest, right. greatest piece of media that we had growing up. Yeah, my yeah. uncle used to bring my uncle used to bring it to me when I was um 
when I was a boy. Actually, just briefly, it's not a, a great story, but since you talked about Bobby Thompson, my, my uncle told me, um, he used to work in the garment district and just told me a story once, I think, he and another man were were they were looking for a bus or something that that it, it, I don't remember the exact story, but it ends up he was with a with a guy and they were both looking to the plate or something. They both got on at the same time and the other guy got off and gave my uncle a thumbs up. It was Bobby Thompson. My uncle was very modest and didn't want to uh, wasn't a really rah rah, but he had had like. 15 minutes where I think they were both looking, I don't know, they were waiting for a bus or something. I just remember that that Bobby Thompson story well beyond the time that Bobby Thompson retired. Wow. Since you mentioned sporting news and my uncle was the one who introduced me to it. That brought back memories to me. Uh, Roger, do you have anything? I mean, yeah, I was gonna piggyback on Michael about Bobby Thompson briefly. Uh... Um, I remember I went downtown. My uncle was a big Mickey Mantle fan. You know, the bookstores would have these signing events and you couldn't even, when Mantle was there, you couldn't even get near the place. The lines were, you know, around the block. And, but when Thompson was there, I went and it was just me and one other guy. I mean, this was one of the most famous moments in baseball history. And I'm talking to him and you know, just the two of us, you know, it was, it was crazy. There was nobody there. Very, you know, tell, Mantle, tell me if I'm wrong. Some of you guys were older than me. Other than the, the, the home run that made him famous, mm. he was just an average player, right? Right. Yeah. But, uh, he was a pretty good player. He, also, he was a pretty – he had a fair amount of power and a good fielder. 270 hitter, right? Something like that? Okay. Yeah, like yeah, he was a pretty well, decent player. A good ball player. I have He'd heard... make a lot of money these days. But back in those – if he didn't yeah. hit that home run, he would play his career. He you did. have a slight memory of him as being a pretty oh. good player. But he would come and go, right? right? Well, supposedly there was sign stealing, and he knew yes. what the pitch was. He never answered that well, question, Alan. That's right. right. So, well, which answers the question, right? But you yeah. know, the clubhouse, the clubhouse where they were doing was five hundred feet away from home plate. Sign stealing was going on for a long time. That's yeah. A long way out there, Howie. You're up. Oh. Uh, 1964 World Series, second game, five in the ninth. The Cardinals had a knuckleballer, Barney Schultz, who was, at, who was like in his 40s, I think, at that time. Comes walking in slowly from the bullpen, Yankee Stadium. Mantle's the first one up. Mantle's watching him take his warm-ups. And the very first pitch, which Tim McCarver was the catcher, said, was a knuckleball, but it wasn't really a knuckleball. It didn't knuckle. Mantle yeah. hits it out for a home run, and they win the they win the game. Right. We still see that in our in our memory because that's something that we'll always remember that home run. Uh, Michael F. Michael Finer, you're up. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of things. Let me let me do a hockey one. That's a quick one. Uh, quick, uh, 15 minutes. Yeah, and, uh, I guess it was 20. Uh, whatever it was. I go to a hockey game, I get tickets last minute, and it was election day. And it was a relatively nondescript game. And I think it was the Rangers against Vancouver. And it was a little boring. And toward the middle of the second period, somebody takes out his cell phone oh. and says to me, you know what, uh, Trump is, is winning the election. <laughs> and then somebody else took out. I've never been in my life at a sporting event 
where more people is are, are disregarding the game and staring into <laughs> their cell phones election returns. And that was that was that was that game. Thanks. Alan, you're up. So I always went, my father used to take me a couple of times to Ebbets Field, which was very nice. Can I throw mm-hmm. in a non-sports? Make it quick. Memory? We got four okay. minutes. How many people went to the Catskills growing up? Okay. Yeah. Esther Manor. I'm there with my sister. I'm young. We sit at a table. Gentleman comes over, says, hi, I'm Neil. This, this, uh, he had some young kids. This is my wife, Liba. Anybody have an idea? Esther Manor. Neil Sedaka. Neil Sedaka. That's right. Oh, my God. I turned to my oh sister my and Whoa, that was Neil Sedaka. <laughs> no <laughs> cell phone for a picture. To get mm-hmm. an autograph at least? Probably not, right? <laughs> oh, it was in the 60s. It was in the 60s. Ron, you go. Okay. Uh, when when I guess in the 80s, uh, me and my father, I would always try to get one Nick game to go to a year. And of course, that would be a Laker game. So in 1988, me and my father happened to be, we went to Jabbar's last game at the Garden. Mm-hmm. That was a, a great game. And I even have the program and the ticket stubs wow. from that game. Wow. And wow. believe it or not, the game wow. cost $12 to get into. <laughs> and that was one of the great, one of the greatest games I've been to, you know, because being with my father and everything, we used to go every year to a Laker game. Right. Now I can't get there. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, that must have been exciting seeing his last game. And Sharon just put a uh, a little message up saying it's uh, Jackie Robinson played. Right, that's right. The 15th. Yep. Thank you for that. Milton. You're, mil- you're muted. He's again. muted. <laughs> Milton muted. All right. Next to Mantle and Seaver and Muhammad Ali, my, my favorite hero was Joe Namath. We used to hang out at Bachelors Three, and all the players would be having at the bar there. We'd be having a great time, and I couldn't be at the Super Bowl, January twelfth, nineteen sixty-nine. But I could not believe what I was watching on television. One of the greatest upsets in the history Absolutely. of sports. Yep. And I remember after the second half, name it. Eubank told him, why don't you throw a pass? He never threw a pass that whole second half. But uh, it was just unbelievable to see that upset because, you know, we were hanging out with some of the players, you know, at the place he owned, which he later had to give up. Rizal made him sell it with all the uh, gamblers that were hanging out there. But Joe Namath, to me, was one of the – that was one of the greatest upsets. That probably marveled the Ali beating Sonny Liston. <laughs> I was at a wedding the day of the, that Super Bowl, and they spent more time updating everybody about the game than mm-hmm. than than with the, the the reception. Yeah, I was working and never saw the game. Wow, right. that was oh, also wow. a day game, right? It was day game. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was working at the public library, never saw the game in forty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> And Gerald, Gerald, Jermaine to Jackie Robinson, uh, and, and uh, he is on my list. Uh, he signed the contract in October 1945 with the Dodgers. 
1947, his first year, he won uh, uh, really? Rookie of the Year. That was the first year that it was given. Oh, come 19, on. 19. Keep you on when mommy's doing her thing? No. 1949 to 1954, he was on the All-Star team. And uh, he had actually very, very good stats for his 10 or 11-year career. His average was 311, 16 home runs, 82 uh, RBIs. Uh, and I remember seeing him uh, as a kid dancing off the third base and stealing home. Mm. And by the way, Mike Finer, he was safe at home. Yogi was wrong on that call. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we won that World Series, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, Stuart. We're winding down here. Stuart. Hey, uh, this is football. The NFL, the Super Bowl in 2008, when Eli Manny, Manning threw uh, a pass, he was under pressure. He would have been sacked, but he just at the last second threw to David Tyree. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think that was, uh, they, I don't know if they won or they, they won that against the, the Patriots. That was the year the Patriots were undefeated. And yeah. That's right. Right. And right. That might have been his last catch in, as a pro. Yeah. That was, that was Strahan's last game. He retired after that. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Now he's on Good game. Morning America. Game. <laughs> uh, Joe, Joe Horn. Yeah, I'm going to change it. I'm going to, in, uh, in light of what Larry said, I was at a game at uh, City Field with both of my grandkids. I think it was about four years ago. And it went into extra innings. And Wilma Flores came to bat. And he always had a knack of doing something big. Oh, yeah. And I, thought, I turned to my grandkids and I said, you know, it's very rare to see a walk-off home run. And Wilma Flores did it. It was a meaningless game otherwise, but it was really nice. You know, it was a nice memory for them. And you guys go to that Wilma Flores game uh, when he was crying. They thought oh, he was yeah. traded. He, no. You were there? Roger, You're weren't right. we there? We were there. Roger, Mike. we were at that game. We were at that game. Oh, Everyone wow. Same thing. People looking at their phones and it's like, what, what's, what's going, going on here? And he's crying. They had to get out of the game, the poor guy. Yeah. That was a weird game. home in that game or double? What did he hit the home run or something? Did something towards the end there. Uh, Larry, your final. 19, very sad day for me. 1958, Giants-Baltimore Colts, pre-Super Bowl, Johnny Unitas against oh, yeah. Chandler, and the Giants lost it. I had tickets. My friend got, his, his uncle got standing room with cardboard in the shoes. It was so cold that day. It was <laughs> Freezing there, and I wanted the Giants to win so badly they couldn't make it. But it was a great game. All right, Danny, you have another one? I'll give you something more personal. About 15 years ago, I'm, ball I'm bowling in a pro-am uh, out at Comac Lanes, I think it was, <laughs> and doing warm-ups, I was throwing it strikes after strikes. And this little 10-year-old kid comes up to me and he wanted my autograph because he thought I was one of the pros in the program. Oh. I was very flattered, but I respectfully told him that I'm not a pro, I'm only an amateur. <laughs> made you feel good, huh? Good yeah, sure, made me feel good. I, I didn't bowl bad in the program, except the pros didn't bowl good for me. So, you know, because you know, pro-ams, you bowl as partners. Okay. So. Thank you. 
Fred, you have another one? Yeah. And back when I grew up in Brooklyn, we were a big basketball neighborhood. So in 1967 season, Columbia University had a great team. They had Jim McMillan from Thomas Jefferson, Dave Newmark from Lincoln, Haywood Dotson from Stuyvesant High School. They were a great team. They went to the NCAA tournament. And in the finals at a holiday festival, they played and they beat a Louis University of Louisville team, which had Wes Unseld and Butch Beard. I think it was a very close game. But the whole garden was rocking 19,000, whatever, 500 people. That's back when the college basketball filled it, filled the place the year before. They had Alcindor and UCLA in, in the holiday festival. And so a lot of great times for college basketball back in the 60s. Yeah. I went to quite a few of those games, too. It was really exciting yeah. back in those days. And again, with the Geo, remember the Geo card? You get in there for cheap price. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Welcome to tennis. And uh, Sharon, do you have one or, or you? No, no more. No, I'm good. You're good. So I think everybody's gone three times, correct? Okay, so mm -hmm. I, I have one. I think so. And I did some research on this one, too. I thought this was 1963, uh, the Mets' second season, but it turns out it was 1962. I was in the pole grounds in 1962, August 23rd. And uh, again, I must have the scorecard somewhere in my in my attic. Um, of course, in 62, the Mets were terrible. Um, but whenever the, the Dodgers or the Giants came, they, that place was packed. I, I think it was 50, 55,000 in the pole grounds. So my dad did take me to this game. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. And um, we went to the Polo Grounds, and we actually saw the Mets win a game on a Friday night. They beat Don Drysdale. And yeah. but the interesting thing about this, uh, uh, Jay Hook pitched for the Mets that game. He pitched a complete game. Final mm -hmm. score was six to three. But I here's the interesting thing that I'll always remember, and I probably told the story to you guys once or twice. Back in those days, when a pitcher came out of the game, they went to the clubhouse, which happened to be in dead center field in the polo grounds. What was it? 400 and like 70, 80 feet yeah. away. And they had to walk, yeah. had to walk yeah. from the pitcher's yeah. mound. Yeah. There was no way to go from like the dugout around. They had to go directly through the field. Yeah. So, of course, 50,000 people are you're like yelling at uh, Don Drysdale. We knocked you out. Ha, ha, ha. You know, the, the largest is 60. 62. Well, the Giants won the uh, won the pennant that year. But yeah, yeah, so right. he's walking to the to the uh, the clubhouse in dead center field. I believe it was the right. There were two steps up. One was the Mets on the left. I think it was the, the right. He, <gasps> he was halfway up and he tripped. He like stumbled oh. on the steps and fell back about five or six steps. Oh Jesus! Of course, everyone's laughing. But then he, you know, he got himself okay. He, he wasn't seriously hurt. You know, if it was something today, these guys will be gone the whole season, right? <laughs> up and walked up. I'll never forget him being being knocked out by the Mets, the low the lowly Met team that year. <laughs> August. The loneliest of the lonely. The loneliest, the loneliest and um, him trying 120, 120 losses. That was my memory. So we do have three minutes. Anyone want to share another one? I'm not going to go through the list. I want to say, Larry, when you, Michael, when, okay. when you have a show approximately five weeks from now, uh, I will have had the memory 
of singing the Star Spangled Banner at mm -hmm. City Field, which oh, will yeah, take yeah. place on the 24th of May. And I am truly mm -hmm. looking forward to it with a group from the Mendelssohn Men's Choir, aided by the Huntington Men's Choir. Great. And that's can't a wait. Monday. That's a Monday. Okay. Can't wait. Monday night. Very good. We can't, can't wait. wait. We'll have to miss You'll tell us about the, the grass. Did you sell the tickets? <laughs> All the, they, they had to sell 200 tickets in order to, um, to do it. I, and I, I sold 25 of them, so it was pretty nice. Good. Good. Anybody else want to throw one in? we got three minutes left on my clock here. All right, Michael, then Roger, then Ron. Very, very, very quick, very quick. No. Uh, the Yankees against the Tigers in the 60s, okay? Rocky Calavito's having a very bad day. He's 0 for 3. He gets up, and again, he hits into a double play, right? Very, very bad. And I was sitting near him. And he always did calisthenics. So he's in the outfield. He's doing calisthenics. And I'm going, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And it was the only time going to a baseball game that I actually got the finger. Ron, <laughs> 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 you want to give yours, Ron? Uh, just 1994, Frank Stanley Cup. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Rest in peace. That's it. Right. Everybody else had one. We have two minutes to go. Roger? Just quickly, uh, the Yankees-Red Sox uh, playoff series 2003. Uh, Pedro dominating the Yankees. And, uh, you know, their, their rally, the uh, Red Sox manager doesn't pull Pedro out, even though he's getting tired. The Yankees are starting to get around to him. And, uh, you know, a couple of hits. Posada's, you know, a little hit. That's they tied the game. And, uh, and obviously, a big, Aaron Rules uh, a famous game with his home run against Wakefield. To me, that was a pretty exciting game and Rivera and the manager's job actually yeah right uh, Joe but you have one doesn't get hurt they don't get yeah. it so that was a lot of a lot of yeah, things over there yeah I was in uh, I was in Pittsburgh in college when the uh, when Mazeroski hit the home run in 1960 wow. I was watching it on television the whole town went nuts yeah oh mm. boy okay Gerald you're gonna wrap it up Gerald come on I watched the Mazeroski home run at least once a week. I always hated the Yankees, Mike Finer, with Me all due respect. And I, ch I checked with a, I checked with a, uh, a congregant who was a psychiatrist, and he said, well, watching it once a week is a little bit obsessive-compulsive, but if it makes you happy, I suppose it's okay. <laughs> it's just about, just about right. <laughs> all right, people, I want to thank you all for your, 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 your sharing of your... your um, your memories, your favorite moments. Great idea. Eric brought a lot of memories back to us as, as listening to you. Um, it was fun. I thought it was terrific show. Terrific show. Yes, very good. Yes. Thank, Thank you. For very good, good show. Good show. It was our 50th. So that was our 50th special. Think about what we can do on our, our one year birthday, which is just two weeks away. Two weeks. Cake. <laughs> what does we have cake. Have yeah. cake. Everyone free cake. We'll eat cake. Let them eat cake. Thank you all right, guys. Thanks fun. a lot. We'll see you all next week. Have a safe, yeah. pleasant, safe dry yeah. weekend. All right. Take care. Bye, Bye everybody. Safe driving Bye. home. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> safe, everyone. Be good, guys. Stay safe. Thank you again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.